Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning. And I'm really excited about the next two weeks. Earlier in the year, Jared asked me if I would be willing to teach a two-part sermon series, and he said, you can teach and preach on whatever you want. And so I'm really excited because you just have to listen to me for the next two weeks and you have nowhere to go. And I decided that if I could preach on something that uh, was burning in my heart for the next two weeks, I decided that I wanted to preach and teach on something that I actually believe is everyone's favorite topic. And that topic is yourself. Everyone's favorite topic is themselves. Now, I know when Sean just asked you that question, maybe some of you said your favorite thing to talk about is sports, or your favorite thing to talk about is, is finances or investing, or, or maybe your favorite thing to talk about is politics, or it was your favorite thing to talk about. But what's so interesting to me, what I've noticed about people, is even when they talk about those topics, the conversation always seems to end up being about what you think about sports, what you think about finances and investing, what you think about politics. You see, we humans are notoriously drawn to talk about ourselves. And I believe the reason for that is because God actually hardwired inside of every single one of us the desire to be seen the desire to be known. It's actually a really beautiful thing how God made you. You want to be seen. You want to be known by other people. You, every one of us has a desire to be our full self. And even though we love talking about ourselves, most of us have a very hard time being ourselves. We love talking about ourselves, but many of us have a really hard time being ourselves. You see, we humans are the only species on the planet that actually struggle with this. If you think about it for a moment, there is no struggle for a flower to be exactly what it was meant to be. It is not trying to be something other than a flower. It is perfectly content being a flower. There is no tension for a tree to be exactly what it was meant to be. It is perfectly content being a tree. I have never seen a bird in the middle of an identity crisis, okay? I have never seen a bird flying around in the midst of an identity crisis wishing that it could become a baboon. Cats, okay? Cats, they don't think they're humans. They already know that they're better than humans. But us humans, we have a much more challenging existence. And the reason for that is because we think, we consider options, we decide, we act, we doubt sometimes, and simply being is tremendously difficult to achieve. And being fully authentic in every moment is extremely rare for humans. It's extremely rare. 
In fact, if you think about it, it, this upcoming week, my hunch is you're going to find yourself in many different settings with many different people. Just, just think about what's going to occur over the next seven days of your life. When you are at home, you are most likely going to be one particular self. When you are in a meeting, I wonder, will you be that same self? Or, or will you be a bit different? When you are writing an email to someone, will you, will you have the temptation, the tendency to perhaps even be somebody else, to say something else, to do something else? When you're at your Thanksgiving table on Thursday, will you be your full, authentic self with the people that you are gathered with at that table? You see, I wonder, are we always the same congruent person in every single setting? My hunch is we're not. We're not. Because there are hundreds and hundreds of possibilities out of which you and I can develop and build many different identities, many different selves. But there is only one self that is found in God, and that is your true self. And that's what I want to talk about today. You see, your true self is your most authentic, congruent, pure way of being. And while you may not remember this, there was a time in your life where you were living fully in your true self. If I were to take all of us on a little field trip right now, and I were to take us upstairs to Soul City Kids, and we were to go into the baby room and the toddler room, we would see a whole bunch of 10 to 15 pound little bundles of true selves. They have absolutely no temptation to be anything other than who they are. They are perfectly content being exactly who God created them to be. But most of us, most of us, we go on a search, usually around the age of adolescence is where this starts to begin for many of us. We go on a search and we start trying on different identities. It's almost like trying on clothes. We try on different egos. We try on different ways of being, except the problem is, is that these masks that we put on, what happens is they begin to block who we really are. And we start searching for a way of being that fits with us so that we can fit into the world. And we start going to work on figuring out what it is that we should do so that we can be okay with who we are. And we forget, we forget that the most important mission in your life is not what you do, but who you become. The single most important mission in every single one of our lives is not what you do, but it's who you become. And not a single one of us escapes this journey. We've all been here. We have all been tempted to be someone that we're not. I mean, how many of you would say that there have been times where you have gotten caught up into making your mission about what you do, and in the process, you've forgotten who you are? I'm the only one in the room. My hunch is every single one of us, I know I have, and 
I know I still do. And what is amazing is Jesus calls us, Jesus calls us so that we can be released back to our true self. To be able to do that, we have to reveal who these false selves are and then be reconciled with who God ultimately created us to be. And we need to do the transformational work of identifying the false selves that we build throughout our lives. Now, Jesus talks all about this in the Gospels. In fact, all four Gospels, he talks about this tension that we face as humans. And this morning, I want to look at it in one of the Gospels. So there's a Bible in front of you. I want to ask you to grab it, or if you brought it yourself, that's, that's great. I want to ask you to turn to Matthew 10. It's found on page 682. And I want to give you a little bit of context as to what is happening here. See, Jesus is gathered with his 12 disciples. And in this moment, he's getting ready to send them out into the world. He's getting ready to send them out. And he's kind of breaking it down for them. And he's saying to them, here's what it's like to truly be my follower. And here's what it's like to be a leader in the ways of Jesus. And he's talking to them and he's saying many, many things to them. And then he says something to them, this very provocative statement. He says in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What, what does Jesus mean? What is he saying here? If you find your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you find it. It almost feels like Jesus is like giving some kind of crazy riddle, right? Like what is it that he's saying? This provocative statement. He's saying that he is looking for all incongruent, authentic selves that are not concerned with creating a self. They're not concerned with creating their life, but instead they're concerned with losing their self into the identity of Jesus. And what's amazing is if we release ourselves to Jesus, reveal ourselves to him, he reconciles us to both him and to ourselves is what this passage teach us, teaches us. It's such an amazing thing. What Jesus offers to us in our relationship with him is total freedom from the charades, total freedom from the masks, total freedom from all of the many different roles that we have built throughout our lives, freedom from the ego and the many different identities that make up our false selves. Because there is a you that is so undeniably you. There is a you in Jesus, your fullest, most beautiful, most true aspect of you that is only found in Jesus. And what's amazing about this is that it requires no pretense. It requires no effort. Your true self in Christ is the only self that will actually support you living in abundant authenticity every single moment of your life. 
And theologians and philosophers and psychologists and sociologists, they have been studying this idea of the false self and the true self for years. I love how Thomas Merton, one of my favorite theologians, he says this, finding, finding our unique self is the problem on which all our existence, peace, and happiness depend. Nothing is more important. For if we find our true self, we find God. And if we find God, we find our most authentic self. You see, our relationship with God and having a true authentic relationship with God and our true and authentic self are totally integrated with one another. They're totally integrated with one another. And one of the biggest problems that as I look out at the church, and when I say the church, I mean the big C church. Because this church, Soul City Church, I mean this, this is a perfect church. <laughs> it is filled with absolutely perfect people, and it is led by a perfect pastor and her spouse. <laughs> But as I look out, as I look out at the church, the problem that I see, the problem that I see is that we as Jesus followers, we have experienced total freedom. We have experienced hope. We have experienced unconditional love and grace. So of all of the people in the world that should be firmly secure in their true self, you would think it would be Jesus followers, don't you think? Don't you think? And yet, I believe the problem facing the church is we suffer from a true self-amnesia. We have forgotten who and perhaps whose we truly are. We suffer from a true self-amnesia. And part of the reason I believe we suffer from this true self-amnesia, forgetting who we truly are, is because the church for the last 2,000 years has focused the large part of its energy on helping people know information about God. And I want you to hear me. Knowing things about God is essential. I have devoted my life's work to telling people about God. But I fear the church has tended in telling people about God that they have ignored helping people know themselves. Leaving the self, leaving the self out of the transformation process results in a spirituality that is not well grounded. Focusing on God and knowing things about God while failing to actually know ourselves has all the potential to produce an external form of religious piety and it leaves a huge gap between appearance and reality. And a search for yourself without God leaves us navel-gazing without being tethered to God as our source. You see, to be able to say a whole bunch of things about God, to know about who he is, and to know about what he can do, and to never have a clue about who you are, is a very alarming way in which to live. 
And I think that's why we are so confused and we are so hurt when we hear of spiritual leaders that have built large platforms on following Jesus and then they have some kind of personal breakdown in their lives. Could it be, could it be that we have spent a disproportionate amount of energy knowing things about God and not ever knowing things about ourselves? And what I believe to be true is that we cannot truly know God without knowing ourselves, and we cannot truly know ourselves without knowing God. They are completely integrated with one another. In fact, I want you to turn over to page 805. We're going to look at another passage that speaks about this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. The Apostle Paul also illustrates this process of the false self and the true self. And Paul had his own false self, true self conversion experience. It literally left him blind for three days. And this is what he writes about the process. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you have been found in Christ, if you've experienced freedom in Christ, if you've experienced the love and hope of Jesus, then here is what is true about you. The new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is now the permanent resident at the table. Paul says it very clearly. There once was an old way. There once was a false self. But in Jesus, he brings us back to the true self, the new self in him, the old, the false selves, the masks. What Jesus does is he loosens the masks that we wear so that we no longer have to wear them in our lives. Verse 18, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. So God is who does this work in our lives. He reconciles us. Which if you think about what reconciliation is for a moment, it's just the bringing us back into harmony with God. It's the bringing us back into harmony with God and the bringing us back into harmony with ourselves. He doesn't just reconcile us for our own harmony and peace. He sets us out with a message and a mission of reconciliation in this world. He doesn't just do this in and through our lives. He says, no, I've called you to do this in the life of others, to bring about reconciliation, to saying to everyone, every part of you, true self and false self, is welcome at the table. Every single part of you is welcome. Your egos, your false selves, those masks that you've been wearing since you were 14 years old, all of you is welcome at the table with Jesus. And so I wonder today, how many of you have spent a significant portion of your life creating a self instead of becoming yourself? You've spent a significant portion of your life, if you really were to be honest and you were to go back, creating a whole bunch of selves. As, as a mentor in my life calls them, these little ones. 
these little ones, and it's a great way to refer to them because everybody's kind to a little one, right? And, and this isn't an exercise in just Xing these people out and trying to rid them from our lives, but many of us, we have spent a disproportionate energy in creating our false selves. These little ones that like to have a whole lot of control at the table. And yet Jesus invites us into a much more powerful journey of becoming ourselves. You see, when you're creating a self, when you're creating a self, you become really devoted to just information. It's an informational knowing of God and an informational knowing of yourself. You know things about God because people told you about things about God, and you know things about yourself because people told you things about yourself, and that's what you believe. It's an informational knowing, but when you are becoming yourself, you have an experiential knowing. It's so different. You experience who God is in your life. You experience his power. You experience his faithfulness. You experience his love. And you open yourself up to experience yourself as well. That's the difference. When you're committed to creating a self, you spend all of your energy and your effort on convincing others who you think you are and who you think they want you to be all kinds of energy in preserving and protecting this ideal identity that you want to be. But when you're devoted to truly becoming yourself, there is a releasing and a relaxing that takes place. There is an ease in just who you are. And there is a curiosity about who you are becoming in Jesus. When we're committed to creating a self, so much energy is given over to hiding so much energy into hiding, keeping ourselves hidden from one another, never feeling like you can be your true self everywhere you go. But when you are becoming yourself, there's joy and there's peace and there's freedom as you just reveal who you truly are and fear begins to slip away as you reveal yourself to others. When you're committed to creating a self, all the things that you latch your identity to you become anchored to them. Your relational status, you get anchored to it. Your work, you get anchored to it. Your net worth, you get anchored to it. How you are known, you get anchored to it. How you are seen, you get anchored to it. But when you are committed to becoming yourself, you let go of those things. Those are not the things that define you, and you find your freedom in who you are, not what you're attached to. When you're committed to creating a self, so much of your security is found in your effort and the control to make yourself secure. But when you're becoming yourself, you don't find yourself doing things for grace. You find yourself living from grace. And it's so different. When you create a self, you're just living, hoping for the grace of God to show up. But when you are truly becoming yourself, you just live from grace. You live from grace moment upon moment 
upon moment. And I want to make sure that I don't paint a picture for you that your false self is some kind of bad self and your true self is your good self. It's not like some kind of like Jekyll and Hyde thing that I'm talking about here. That's not what I'm saying. The selves that we create along the way, God uses all of it. He uses all of it to work together good in our lives. God even uses our various false selves to lead us beyond them. You see, our egos that we develop over the years, or as I like to call and think about my ego, when I, when I talk about my ego, I like to refer to it as how I edge God out. Did you get that, ego? Edge God out. It's really clever if you didn't get it, okay? Our ego... Our egos are these little ways in which we try to edge God out of our lives so that we can have control, so that we can have authority, so that we can have all the power. And the process of becoming yourself will require a naming of those false selves, a naming of those little ones, a naming of the masks, a naming of the ego, the way you edge God out. And naming our false selves always, always allows us to release, to reveal, and to then experience reconciliation. And this is a process that I have been on for the last 16 and a half years, to be specific. Several years ago, I hit a wall that at the time I wouldn't have been able to call it this, but now I would name it this, I hit a wall where I experienced a total crisis of faith and a total crisis of myself. And to me, I thought that it was just circumstances and experiences that were going on around me. And if I made a few adjustments to my circumstances, or I shifted a few of my attachments, then things would be okay. But the problem was that the crisis of faith and the crisis of myself was not an external crisis. It was an internal crisis. You see, the problem was that I was not living congruently from my true self. So much of my energy was spent trying to be someone that I was not. And I will never forget God so graciously and lovingly brought a perfect mentor into my life at that time. And through a lot of coffees and through a lot of tears, through a lot of reading God's word together, through a lot of journaling, through a lot of moments of healing prayer, she began to hold a sacred space in my life where I began the process of naming my false selves. And I have been on that path for the last 16 and a half years. And I started to write about them. I started to give these little ones a name. I started to try and figure out when they began in my life and what they most wanted and needed in my life. And this is the journal that I started 16 and a half years ago, where I began to name my false selves. And instead of 
just telling you about how to do this, I decided to introduce you to a few of them today. I decided to let you see some of the false selves that sit around my table. And the first one that I want you to know that has been sitting at the table particularly loves this seat. She loves sitting at the head of the table, and I have named her Bossy Pants Jeannie. And that is her name, because Bossy Pants Jeannie really, really, really likes to be in charge. This is the only seat that she feels comfortable at, at the table. And what she does is she studies how group dynamics work, and she eventually figures out how every single group that she's in, she becomes in charge of the group, because she always has to sit at the head of the table. And she fears that others are not going to have as good of a plan that she comes up with. So she always comes up with a plan before anyone has the option to come up with a plan. And what happens is that when Bossy Pants Jeannie is running the show, what happens is she doesn't have to be vulnerable, which is something that she really fears. And the problem is that Bossy Pants Jeannie gets really, really tired because she lives from a whole bunch of shoulds in her life, things that she should do, requirements, obligations. And Bossy Pants Jeannie has been at work in my life for a number of years. Another one of my false selves that sits at this table is one that I actually wrote about in my journal 16 and a half years ago, specifically August 14th, 1999. And this false self is named Thorny Weakness Genie. And for her, strength Strength is her issue. She doesn't ever, ever, ever want to be weak. And she wrote, strength has so many definitions in my life. I feel as though I could write a 30-page entry to be submitted to Webster's Dictionary. I often sit on a teeter-totter of inner strength that flows from a core of weakness and an opposing heavyweight champion of ego-filled, false strength. And unfortunately, strength has always been a picture of bulging muscles, heavy, intimidating words, being in control, standing up for yourself, and never, ever, ever losing. Strength has always looked and tasted like winning. A loser in my mind never had strength. This kind of false strength has made a nest in my life in a number of different ways. I don't like to be wrong. Even worse, I don't like to admit when I'm wrong. I don't like to need someone. Even worse, ask for help. 
I don't like to be defeated or feel defeated by something or someone that has power over me. I don't like to break down in tears when a situation may call for a more poised response. I don't like to be told what to do, mostly because of stubbornness, but more for the fear of looking like I never knew what to do in the first place. And I have a wrong picture, ultimately, that weak people don't receive praise and strong people do. And this teeter-totter needs to be tipped. The heavyweight champion of strength needs to be defeated by weakness, actually. And I acknowledge this false self, and I claim the promise in 2 Corinthians 12 that I will be spiritually strong in Christ by being weak. I will pursue a thorny weakness in an attempt to have a thorny strength. And she has sat at the table for 16 and a half years, probably longer. And the third false self that sits right here is newer. She's not really newer. She's been around for quite some time. But I just recently got to know her. And she is somebody that I just recently was brave enough to name. In fact, a few weeks ago in my small group was the first time that I actually gave her a name. And I let her really be seen. Because she's been around for a long, long time, but I've tried to pretend that she's not there. And what her name is, is her name is Pretender Jeannie. She's Pretender Jeannie. She's great at pretending. She sometimes pretends that she cares when she doesn't. She sometimes pretends she has the answer when she often doesn't. She sometimes pretends that she has something wise or insightful to say when she really has nothing to say. She is a pretender. And I thought I had her safely tucked away all these years until I received a gift that didn't really feel like a gift when I was opening it. One of the people in my small group gave me the gift of feedback. And she said to me in a moment, Jeannie, it just seems like you're not always being authentic. And when she gave me this gift, I instantly felt defensive. And I instantly pictured myself putting her head into a headlock. And we had a wonderful wrestling match where I won, of course. But I instantly felt defensive, which, by the way, is a really good indicator if you ever are feeling defensive that you're dealing with a false self. Because the false self is always, always defensive. And after I got over my defensiveness and after I won our wrestling match in my mind, my small group leader and my mentor, Jim, um, wisely led me through a process 
of helping me see that there are in fact moments in my life where I choose to pretend. And the, the realization for me was that the longer I allowed her to sit at the table and not acknowledge that she was there, the longer I would go without feeling freedom. In fact, I have this app on my phone and it's called Mind Jogger and you can type in any question that you want it to ask you and it just randomly asks you a question um, all throughout the day. You never know when it's going to pop up on your phone. And so after I did this exploration and I realized there really is a part of me that pretends, I typed in the question, are you pretending? And all throughout my day, it just pops up on my phone. And right before I went up to preach at the 8 a.m. service, I looked down at my phone to see what time it was, and there it was. Are you pretending? And it was like a, just a little loving gift from God saying to me, Jeannie, be your full, authentic, true self. And yesterday, we were driving back from Champaign, Illinois. Um, we went to Champaign for really foolish reasons. Um, we got another puppy. Um, <laughs> which is a whole nother issue that um, really has no wisdom found in it. Um, but we got another puppy in our house and uh, we were driving back with this puppy and I was talking to Jarrett and I was saying, you know, the, this is my sermon. I was kind of downloading my sermon for him and I was sharing these false selves and he said, to, and I said, I'm going to share about my pretender. And he said, babe, are you sure you want to do that? Like, that's really vulnerable. And I teared up in the car the same way the tears are naturally coming right now. Because what I want to say to you is I don't want to pretend with you. I don't want to pretend with you, Soul City Church. And yet there is a part of me, one of your lead pastors, is a pretender. I pretend sometimes. And I know that the only way for me to be reconciled with Jesus is to actually reveal that, to find hope in that, to find truth in that, to no longer be a slave to that. And what gives me so much hope in saying that is I know that once you experience the real, the unreal loses its appeal. Once you experience the real, true self and you begin to live from your real, true self, the unreal loses all of its appeal. There's no longer energy to be bossy pants genie or thorny weakness genie or pretending genie because I know the true self and I can bring all of her to the table. And so I wonder... I wonder this week, Soul City, if you would be willing to do an exploration on yourself. To identify and explore maybe just one of your false selves. Maybe for you, you identified with one of these. And we've got some fellow, fellow bossy pants in the room. And we've got some fellow people that really only want to be strong. And we've got some fellow pretenders here. Or maybe for you, it's a false self of being a peacemaker. And anytime there's a conflict, you're the one to bring the peace. You're the one 
to bring the peace. Or maybe for you, there's a false self and you're just this firefighter. You go in and you rescue every single bad scenario that could ever happen. You're the firefighter and you're always there and everyone can call upon you and you will come in and you'll save the day. Maybe one of your false selves is, is the cynic or the one that is always sarcastic and your cynicism and your sarcasm keep you from having to reveal your true self and you continue to play from that part. Maybe for you, one of your false selves is you are just a bulldozer and you're literally like a bull in a china shop. And when you come into every setting, you are just a bulldozer that takes over. Maybe for you, one of your false selves is you are a worrywart. But what I know, what I know to be true is that every part of you, the false selves and the true selves, are welcome at the table with Jesus. And the way you bring yourself to him is through the process of surrender. By saying everything that I am, Jesus, my false selves and my true selves, I surrender them all to you. Everything, everything and nothing less. I surrender all of me to you. And here is what I know to be true. If every single one of us, if every single one of us was willing and we were committed to living this way, if ever there were a true, all are welcome at the table kind of church, if ever there were a community where everybody, everybody could bring all of their baggage, all of their brokenness, without their needing to be a neat and tidy, happily ever ending. If ever there were a group where everyone was loved, where no one had to pretend, I am convinced we would never have enough room in this building. Because we live in a world that is hungry to be seen, to be known. You are hungry to be seen and you are hungry to be known. And don't you think the table with Jesus is the best place to do that? And can you just imagine if we became a church committed to living that way? So I wanna invite you to stand and we're gonna pray. And I ask you to just open up your hands and close your eyes and perhaps even right now in this moment as I, as I invited you into the challenge of naming, just naming one of your false selves, maybe picture him or picture her. Give him a name. What is it that they most want? What is it that they've most been afraid of? And can you picture yourself bringing, bringing that little one to Jesus right now. And God, that, that is what we most desire, to bring everything, everything and nothing less to you, God, where you receive us and where you reconcile us to yourself, to ourselves, and to one another. So Jesus, would you help us live from the gift of truly becoming ourselves. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.